wish you could have been here in the room today because this band had the same energy that they would normally have if all of you were here. And so I really appreciate their uh, eagerness to lead worship and be part of today's broadcast. I want to remind us of something. Actually, this is in 1 Peter, and Peter is the one who the Gospel of Mark is his account of the life and times of Jesus. And Peter tells us the word of the Lord endures forever. And, you know, there may be some things that you thought you had great confidence in up to this point that you're not so sure anymore. But this is one thing that stands forever, that no question about it, God's word has weathered the course of history. It has endured through things even much worse than what we're dealing with today. And so I encourage you, and I'm going to do my part today to be shorter in the message. And I know from watching The Refuge online on Wednesday night that there are are lots of distractions going on in your household. And so staying tuned in for the duration can be challenging. So I'm gonna do my part, and if you can do yours by maybe not be so eager to multitask and get other things done, but really give God's word the respect and the attention that it deserves and needs. So we're in Mark chapter 14. We're continuing our series in Mark, and as scripture always has something very relevant to say to the times we're in. And, of course, it does today as well. So we're just going to look at a few verses, uh, verses 26 through 31. I'm going to read that for you. You can follow along, hopefully, in your Bible, or it will be on your screen. Verse 26 says, And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And Jesus said to them, You will all fall away. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter said to him, Even though they all will fall away, I will not. And Jesus said to him, Truly, I tell you, this very night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And he said emphatically, If I must die for you, I will not deny you. And they all said the same. Let's pray together. Father God, this is your word. And it's so much bigger than our, us, so much bigger than our nation. It's so much bigger than the coronavirus. God, your word endures forever. And God, the truth that we have not only gives us hope for this life, but more importantly, it gives us hope for the life to come. And God, help us to lay up our treasures in heaven where nothing can destroy and no virus can damage that. In Jesus' name, amen. Growing up in West Virginia, until I was uh, five years old, we lived super far out into the country. I mean, way far out. And in fact, my brother, who was a year older than me, and myself, kindergarten, first grade, we would uh, catch the yellow school bus in the morning, jump on that thing, and head off to school. And then the bus would come back, and it would drop us off. We would go across a little bridge over a creek up to our house, and that was our normal routine. Well, this day, something happened that was not part of our normal routine. Uh, the bus uh, dropped us off. We waved goodbye to the bus driver. He drove off. My brother and I, as normal, went up to the house and tried to open the door, and there was no answer at the door. No one, it was locked. No one came to the door. We began to knock, and as a five- and six-year-old kid, would, as you can imagine, we had panic immediately because our parents were not there. And I began to knock in a way that uh, was really determined that they were in there somewhere to get their attention. And I began to knock louder and louder, and, uh, and, and eventually I got to the point where I was knocking so loud that I began to dent in 
the storm door and the storm door began to cave in as a result. I could see a little bit into the house and look in. I was like, Mom, Dad, are you, are you there? And, and I was crying. My, my brother was crying. We were so worked up because we didn't know what happened. Our parents, had they abandoned us? And then all of a sudden we heard down the dirt road, uh, we heard a car coming and a horn blowing. And there came my parents pulling up into the driveway and here, I'm a little guy, my brother, a little guy, and my parents come running to us, and they reassure us, and they apologize for being a few minutes late, and, and uh, they just said, we would never, ever abandon you. We would never leave you. And what a great reminder, because like a good parent, God never abandons his children, even when we abandon him, even when we deny him. And we're going to see that so clearly in Scripture today, that Peter, Jesus predicts, Peter, you're going to fail, and you're going to fail and fall hard. But Jesus does not abandon his own. And look at verse 26. I love this. If you were uh, tuned in with us last week or you were here last week, you saw that they had just concluded the Passover ceremony, the Last Supper, as Jesus changed it into with his disciples. And Judas had left the room to go and betray Jesus. And at this point, as was customary during a Passover ceremony, that they would have sung a song together. And not just any song they would sing together, but they would sing together one of the psalms, one of the psalms between one Psalm 113 and one Psalm 118. And, and how amazing it would be. Imagine the picture of these guys being in this room together. So there's 11 disciples now with Jesus, and they're just singing at the top of their lungs. And, 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 and just worshiping God does something amazing. It just brings our mind and our hearts together in passion and, and together in unity. And I can just imagine just the, the, the feel in that room at this point, this point. Let me just read you a couple of the Psalms that more than likely they sang during this time. Psalm 115.1, the first verse says, Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name we give glory. For the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. They would be singing that hymn together. Or Psalm 117, which only has two verses. Praise the Lord, all nations, extol him, all people, for great is his steadfast love toward us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. And so they're singing these songs together. They're in unison together. They're praising God for his character, for his steadfast love, for his faithfulness. Yet Peter, as he's singing this out, has no idea that just in a few short hours that he would abandon Jesus. But Jesus does not abandon him. And so they're singing out, and they begin to walk out of the room. And verse 26 says, they went out to the Mount of Olives. So as they're walking to the Mount of Olives, and, and Jesus had just shocked them in the room as he pointed out that Judas was going to betray him. And now he rattles them again by telling them that not only would Judas abandon him, but all of them were going to abandon him. Look at verse 27. He says to them, you will all, all of you, all of you will fall away. As it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. They're all going to turn away. From him, So Jesus does a couple things here. He, he predicts his crucifixion again. He points to it. And then he quotes the prophet Zacharias who said that the sheep would be, the shepherd would be struck, which was him. He would be the shepherd and the sheep, all his followers, they would scatter. But what's awesome about this is 
Their scattering isn't like Judas. Their treason isn't like Judas. You see, Judas had no faith in Jesus. The leaven had faith in Jesus. And they would not lose their faith in Jesus. Their courage would fail. Their hope would fail briefly. They would briefly abandon Jesus. But they would not fall away in their faith. Look at verse 28. Jesus gives them hope and reassurance. He says, after I'm raised up, he's predicting his resurrection again. He says, after I'm raised, raised up, I'll go before you to Galilee. Back to Galilee. If you think back to the early parts of Mark where it all began. They're going back home. Jesus predicts this post-resurrection reunion that will take place. Back in their home area of Galilee. And then Peter, 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 he says, even though they all fall away. Jesus, I'm not going to fall away. Even though they all fall away, not me. And our boy Peter, always impulsive, but always zealous, clearly had a skewed view of himself. And also, if you note in the passage, a skewed view of Jesus at this moment. I mean, I mean, what part of you all will fall away did he not believe? Jesus says, you're all going to fall away. Peter doubts Jesus. I mean, he's been around Jesus this whole time. He's seen Jesus walk on water, rescue him from the water. He's raised the dead. He's healed the sick. He's cast out demons. Yet, he says, you're all going to fall away. And Peter says, you're not trustworthy, Jesus. I can't trust what you're saying here because I trust myself more than I trust you. And Jesus, he says, nope, you're all going to fall away. And what's Peter say? He says, he has no idea how weak he actually is, does he? He says, even though they... These guys, all this 10, even though they fall away, God, Jesus, I'm here for you. I'm, I'm sticking with you. I, I'm not going anywhere. You know, so interesting. He, you know, even for us, in this day of panic and a day where we can, maybe you've had those moments where you've just woken up in the middle of the night and you're like, I thought I had a handle on this. And all of a sudden, there's just this panic that's struck through you. It's like, is things, are things going to be okay? I mean, is, is the world forever changed? Is God in control? What's going on? And maybe you've had those moments where your faith has wavered a bit. And maybe you, where you've had that panic. And maybe it's because you have too high opinion of yourself and not enough high opinion of, of Jesus and what Jesus says. That he says that his children are safe. And no matter what comes our way, not even a hair on your head can be touched without his permission. And what comfort that gives us as, ch as his children, that he is in control completely. And Peter questions Jesus. He says, I, I don't believe you, because that's not possible. And then Luke gives us just a beautiful, a beautiful thing that Mark doesn't add to his account. In Luke chapter 22, verses 31 through 32, this is amazing, and this is why Peter and the other disciples don't permanently fall away. He says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you, that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when, not if, notice that, not if, but when you have turned again, take this opportunity to strengthen your brothers. You see what Jesus does here? He says, I prayed for you, and your perseverance is possible 
because I'm interceding for you. Because you don't have the strength, Peter. You don't have the endurance, Peter. You don't have the faith, Peter. I've prayed for you. And Jesus' prayer was stronger than Peter's sin. And Jesus is praying for his children during this time that we will stand fast, that we'll hold strong, that his word will be paramount in our lives, and that we won't get off and, and lose track and lose sight of Jesus. But we'll trust his word. And yes, we're realistic. We know that there's things in this world to be afraid of, and there's precautions to take, and we're not making light of the situation that you're in and, and that I'm in at all. But we understand that fear is not the response for God's children. And Jesus is praying for us, and he's holding us in his hand. And it's not the end of the story for Peter. You see, it's the end of the story for Judas. Judas, he had no faith. He was destroyed. His, his life was destroyed for, for that time and for eternity. But not so for Peter, not the end of the story. There was more to be written, and Jesus points to that, and he says, there's going to be a post-reunion, a post-resurrection reunion here, Peter. And after this, you're going to do some amazing, amazing things because I'm praying for you, Peter. And Hebrews 7.25 says the same thing about Jesus praying for us. It says, He, Jesus, is able to save us to the uttermost. Get that word, uttermost, completely, for all time. He says, Jesus is able to save us to the uttermost. Those who draw near to God through him. Why? Since he always lives to make intercession for them. That's us. He lives to make intercession for us. And so his children, he never abandons. He never, ever leaves us, no matter what. And so Peter, there was a plan Jesus had for him, and it wouldn't be without monumental failure. Jesus is going to totally dismantle Peter's pride because he's preparing him to use him. And what's interesting, if you remember, like I said, Mark is Peter's account of Jesus' life. And so can you imagine the humility that Peter feels as he's giving this account and John Mark is recording this, that he's remembering in vivid detail the events that Jesus is predicting and is forever chiseled on his mind. And this tragedy that's happened in his life is going to happen to help, help him be a better ambassador for Jesus and turn the world upside down for Jesus. And so his failure will ultimately display the depths of God's amazing grace. Look at verse 30 and 31. Jesus says, Peter, not only are you going to abandon me, but look, he says, specifically, he goes, I'm going to tell you this very night, and I'm going to give you an indicator when exactly this is going to happen, so you'll know it the instant it happens. Before the rooster crows twice, you're going to deny me not once, not twice, you're going to deny me three times. But again, Peter hasn't been broken yet. And he says emphatically, if I must die with you, I will never, ever deny you. And they all followed Peter and were like, yeah, me too. Not me, not me. We're not going to do this. What a humbling thing that Peter would have to give this account for us. Jesus has a plan for Peter, and Jesus has a plan for you. And your failures and my failures in the past do not have to define us at all. If Jesus can forgive Peter of this, he can forgive you 
of whatever you've done, however you failed. Though your sin be many, his blood covers those. He forgives you through Jesus Christ and his sacrifice. And we're all going to also battle with fear. Jesus is bigger than your fears. His prayers are bigger than your fears. And so whatever you're struggling with and the battle that you're dealing with is fleshly fear, even right now, God is in control. Jesus is praying for you. He's interceding on your behalf. God can do great things even through this crazy, unusual times. This seems like probably really small to many of you, but this was a really, really big moment this past week. I was meeting with uh, one of my fight clubs and one of the, and at the beginning we say, hey, who wants to pray? And there's one gentleman in our group who has never felt comfortable in his life praying in public, praying in front of other people. And this time he said, guys, I got this prayer. I'm praying this prayer. And the prayer that he prayed was not, bless this food, thank you, Jesus' name, amen. I mean, this guy really prayed. He interceded for one of our guys who's facing a health difficulty. He prayed for God's will to be done during the situation. What a great moment. If you're watching, you know who I'm talking about. I'm so proud of you, bro. And God wants to use this time in your life to share his love and his hope in the gospel. And if you don't know Jesus, now is the time to turn to him. This should be grabbing your attention. This is the rooster crowing. This is getting your attention to turn to Jesus. Reach out to those around you, your neighbors. More people are walking their dogs outdoors. I saw many people walking down the street this past week. I had a chance to talk to a neighbor who I've been meaning to talk to about his faith and how God's working in his life. And he said, after many years of running from Christ, he's now turned back to Jesus Christ. And that's awesome, amazing. God is doing things even in the midst of tragedy. All things work for his glory and for our good. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the example of Peter and how we're more like Peter than we dare to admit that so many times we've faltered, we failed, we've let fear cause us to run the other way, but you never give up on us. You never abandon your children. No matter what it feels like and what it seems like at the moment, you're there, not only there, but you're praying for us. You're interceding for us. Thank you for that hope we have in you. It's all about you, Jesus. May we, today, tomorrow, and out of this crisis, lean heavier into you than we ever have. May our lives be centered more upon you than they ever have as a result of what we're going through right now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.